Good evening and welcome back to another episode of After the Final Whistle. I'm your host, Matthew Plachek, and today we're going to start off with looking at the transfer news and the key updates that have happened in the past 24 hours. I did touch on what was going to happen in my kind of thoughts, my predictions in yesterday's episode. Go ahead and take a listen to that if you haven't already. We're then going to touch on the UEFA awards that were presented today in Istanbul, and then we're going to end with an in-depth analysis of each of the eight groups for the upcoming UEFA Champions League in 2021-22, with the first games kicking off on September 14th and 15th. And at the end, if you want to stick around, I'm going to give you my predictions for which two teams from each group will advance to the knockout stages, which team will be sent to the Europa League as third place, and which team will be sent home in fourth place. First off, in the transfer portal, yesterday I talked about Mbappe, how he probably was not going to leave. PSG had rejected an offer for 160 million euros. Well, overnight and in the last couple hours, apparently adding 20 million euros to 160 million euros does the trick. I mean, I'm shocked. You know, I thought that was enough money, but now Real Madrid is and has offered 170 million euros plus 10 million euros in bonuses to PSG and PSG is ready to accept it. I don't know what makes the difference between 160 million euros and 180 million euros but the deal is done it's reported to be done and Mbappe is rumored to be arriving in Madrid tomorrow for his medical I'm shocked honestly after what happened yesterday what occurred with Nasser Al-Khalafi saying that their stance was done that they weren't going to sell him and now all of a sudden they've done a complete 180 I'm very surprised but I'll be interested to see how Mbappe hooks up with Benzema Asensio Vinicius Jr. But I'll also be a little bit disappointed, you know. We're not going to be able to see Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe on the same team. And then, in the other big news, I can't believe these two happen on the same day. Cristiano Ronaldo is now apparently set to leave Juventus. He's told them he will not play. He's set to leave. And he talked with Pep Guardiola yesterday, this morning. I'm not sure in the conversion from European to American time. In the last 24 hours, Cristiano Ronaldo has talked to Pep Guardiola Juventus is now ready to sell Cristiano Ronaldo for 28 million euros. Man City has rumored to be accepting the 28 million euros that they said yesterday they weren't going to accept. But Cristiano Ronaldo will now switch sides from Manchester City. He opened up his career when he went from Lisbon to Manchester United, then going to Real Madrid, then Juventus. Apparently, he's going to switch colors in Manchester and go to Manchester City. I'm very interested to see how he fits into this team. As I said, they need a striker. They're missing that person that just puts the ball in the back of the net. Cristiano Ronaldo is that person, especially when you have Kevin De Bruyne. You just loft the ball into the box, and Cristiano Ronaldo puts in the back of the net. So we'll see when Ronaldo goes there, if he's there in time for the Champions League to start. Moving on, the UEFA awards that they used to spice up the draw today. I have a real problem with how they did this, and I'm going to tell you why. Today I was at work. And while I'm working, I'm trying to watch the draw. And Bronislav Ivanovic and Michael Essien were the two players that they had picked the play, picked the teams. Those two were very, very slow. So already, this is taking way longer than it needs to be. Not even affect, not even given the fact that in between each time they drew pots, they decided to announce the UEFA best goalkeeper, best defender, etc. They decided to announce that award. That could have been done online. I'm pretty sure. No one would have argued if it was done online, considering every single person that won sent in a video message and weren't even there. Anyway, 
I'm going to try to look optimistically at these awards. On the women's side, Barcelona won every single category in the Women's Champions League. The best defender, best goalkeeper, best midfielder, best forward, best coach, best overall player. Every single category Barcelona won. And for good reason. I watched the Women's Champions League final. Barcelona was amazing. Okay, their whole team, the chemistry that they have together, their coach, they're awesome. Jennifer Hermoso is incredible in the midfield. And Leek Martins is great as well. And I was very surprised. I didn't think they were going to sweep all six categories, but they did. And then on the men's side, men's best goalkeeper was Eduard Mendy from Chelsea. Ruben Diaz was the best defender. N'Golo Conte was the best midfielder. Erling Holland was the best forward. He was the top goal scorer with 10 goals in that competition. Thomas Tuchel, the Chelsea coach, he was the best coach. And then best overall player was the winner of the Champions League and the winner of the Euros, Jorginho, the midfielder. I wasn't surprised really at anything that was picked here. Um, the midfielder category was Conte, Jorginho, and De Bruyne. And when Conte was announced as the winner, that meant that overall player was going to come down to Jorginho or Conte. It's very rare. I don't know if it's happened that the best players won one of the best positions. So I had a feeling once they announced Conte was going to be Jorginho because De Bruyne lost in the finals. So Jorginho won best overall player. I think he had a phenomenal season. He was a joy to watch in the Euros. And we'll see how Chelsea performs in the upcoming Champions League. Moving on, as I said, in between the awards they had the draw and the draw is the best part i mean hearing the champions league anthem i wanted to play it on this podcast but i also didn't want to get copyrighted so if you want me to sing it i guess i can try but i'll save that for later anyway each of the groups were picked eight groups four teams each and i'll just run over the groups really quickly before i dive into each group i'm going to go alphabetically in the analysis that i have no favorites it's honestly just A, Group A, Group B, Group C, Group D, etc. So in Group A, we have Manchester City, PSG, RB Leipzig, and Club Bruges. In Group B, we have Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, Porto, and AC Milan. In Group C, we have Sporting Club de Portugal, Borussia Dortmund, Ajax, and Besiktas. In Group D, we have Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk, and FC Sharif. In Group E, we have Bayern Munich, FC Barcelona, Benfica and Dynamo Kiev. In Group F, we have Villarreal, Manchester United, Atalanta, and Young Boys. Group G, we have LOSC Lille, Sevilla, RB Salzburg, and VFL Wolfsburg. And then in Group H, we have Chelsea, Juventus, Senate St. Petersburg, and Malmo FF. So I hope that as I was saying that, a couple groups sparked your interest, specifically this first group. Group A, Manchester City, PSG. We could see, now with Ronaldo rumored to be going to Man City, we could see El Clasico 2.0. We could see a Manchester City versus PSG, a Messi versus Ronaldo. Ronaldo versus Sergio Ramos. Ronaldo and Ramos used to play together, but now they're going to play against one another. And Messi and Ramos used to play against one another, and now they're going to play together. This could have the potential to be the game of the year. When you have Wijnaldum's now going to be in the midfield for PSG. Jack Grealish will be in the midfield for Manchester City. This could be an absolutely incredible fixture. Whether it's playing being played at the Etihad or whether it's being played in Paris. I think this will be the games to watch in the group stage. Now I'm going to go one by one and analyze how each team's 
done previously in the competition, and I'll look at some matchups if these teams have played one another. So Manchester City, they had the second longest streak in the Champions League in Champions League history without conceding in 775 minutes from October 2020 against Porto to April 2021 against Dortmund. A lot of that can be attributed to Ruben Diaz, honestly. He came in and he was a stud in the back. That's why he won Best Defender of the Year is because he was just so strong. He didn't let anyone dribble past him. He was just incredible. And Manchester City ended up losing to Chelsea in the final last year, 1-0 off that ridiculous ball that Conte played in. And then it bounced off Ederson into Kai Havertz. He scored. I don't really know how that happened. Um, the game was awesome to watch. And I think Manchester City, especially now if they sign Ronaldo, they have a very, very good shot at winning this tournament. And something interesting that actually came out today is left-back Benjamin Mendy. He is suspended from the team indefinitely for a rumored four counts of rape and one of sexual assault. That is awful and horrific, and these players need to be held accountable, and I'm glad Manchester City did that. I know they had to, but I'm glad that they did it immediately while he's under investigation, so he will be unavailable for the rest of their Premier League games as well as their Champions League games. Next up, we have PSG. PSG has advanced to nine straight knockout stages in this tournament. They lost to Bayern two years ago in the 2020 final. Kingsley Coman scored the winner in a 1-0 game. And they have never defeated Manchester City, in fact, in the Champions League. They've played each other four times. They have never played one another. They have never defeated Manchester City. Manchester City getting the best of them. And Leipzig is also in this group. Last year, PSG and Leipzig were in the same group. PSG split home wins. They won in Paris. Leipzig won in Germany. So they have played them before. They have not played Clue Bruges. We'll see how Messi gets along with this team. I also think this team could get very far as well. And I think this is one of the groups where the top two teams are just at such a high level compared to the other two teams that it really is kind of a predictable group. RB Leipzig, this is their fourth appearance. They made it to the semis in 2019 and 2020 before they lost to PSG 3-0. That's the same year that PSG lost in the finals to Bayern. And they're actually coached by an American, Jesse Marsh. I forgot who said it on Twitter. You know, when I was looking at Romano, like I said yesterday, someone had tweeted, it might have been Grant Wall, that Jesse Marsh reminded him of Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. I don't know. I haven't watched the show. But if you've seen that show, he's an American. I think he's a football coach who comes to England and tries to coach a soccer team. Jesse Marsh played for Princeton in college. He played 200 times for the Chicago Fire in the MLS, played 106 games for... Shivas, who's no longer an active team, and then he led RB Salzburg to two consecutive Champions League appearances before he was promoted to the head coach of RB Leipzig, and all of these RB teams are connected, RB New York Red Bulls, RB Leipzig, RB Salzburg, they're all one and one in the same, they're all owned by, by Red Bulls, by the same group, and then last but not least in this group, we have Club Bruges, the Belgian league winner from last year. This is their ninth appearance, actually, in this tournament, and one of the one of their claims to fame, I thought this was pretty impressive, if I'm being completely honest. They've never made it out of the group stage, and they are one of the teams to go 0-6 in the group stage in 2016 and 17. I mean, if you're going to stink in the Champions League, you might as well stink really, really badly. I mean, eight appearances already, this is going to be your ninth, and you've never made it out of the group stage. That is the definition of pitiful. So, I mean, they're going to get killed by Manchester City and PSG. I have no doubt about that. 
So I, I have a pretty good feeling that it's going to be 9 for 9 in not making it out of the group stage. Next up, we have Group B, Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, Porto, and AC Milan. This is this year's group of death. I don't know how AC Milan ended up in the fourth pot. It's because of UEFA correlation coefficient, but they should honestly be in the third pot. And Porto is nothing to snarf at either. Atletico Madrid won La Liga last year. They beat Real Madrid and Barcelona to win the league. Liverpool finished third behind Manchester City and Manchester United. Porto finished second in the Portuguese league which, as I said in yesterday's episode, is now the fifth-strongest league in Europe, taking over from the French League. And AC Milan finished second in the Serie A last season. So this is all teams who have finished in the top three in the past season. Every single one of these games, and this is the hardest group to pick, every single one of these games will be action-packed. All of these teams are going to fight for it. And first up, Atletico Madrid. We have Luis Suarez versus his old team in Liverpool. They're going to play twice. One in Liverpool, one in Madrid. For Liverpool, Suarez had 82 goals in four seasons. This is going to be, I believe, the first time or the second time that he suited up against his former club. We'll see how he does there against Virgil van Dijk. Rodrigo de Paul, the Argentine, he moved away from Udinese last season, came over in the summer. He had a goal and an assist in two league games when he played against Inter, uh, AC Milan Pardon last season. So he has a good track record already. We'll see how he performs when he's surrounded by players like Koke and Mario Hermoso. And then Mateus Cunha, he came in from Hertha Berlin to Atletico Madrid. And two years ago, Atletico Madrid defeated Liverpool and added extra time in the 2019-2020 tournament in the round of 16. Liverpool, as I said, these teams have just played each other only two years ago. They have added Konate, Ibrahima Konate, the center back from RB Leipzig. He lost to Liverpool with Leipzig last year in the 16s, but he didn't play a minute. He didn't play in either of the games. They started Klosterman, Mukiele, and the other French person, Upamecano. And so Konate didn't actually play. We'll see if he can redeem himself for Liverpool and prove that he deserved to be playing in that game. And Liverpool has never lost to Porto. Porto's in this group. They have never lost to Porto in the Champions League. They've played each other six times, never lost. In regards to Porto, Porto is actually one of the tournament's most storied, most historic teams. And I was a little surprised. I knew that they've been in the tournament a couple times. Um, You know, I knew they won under Jose Mourinho in 2004. He defeated Monaco 3-0, and then he left a week after that game to go to Chelsea. Porto's actually tied for the second most appearances in this or second most um appearances with 25 pardon in this tournament with Bayern Munich only behind Real Madrid and Barcelona who have 26 Porto's been in almost every single installment of this tournament and they're a team that kind of sneaks up on you you don't really think that they're going to be that good of an opponent opponent and then last year they go and defeat Juventus in extra time on away goals in the round of 16 yes that won't happen this year because the away goals are not a rule However, you can't leave this Porto team hanging around. They were awesome to watch last year. That game was amazing. And I'm expecting them to do, I have them fourth in this group, but I'm expecting them to put up a good fight against every single team. Last but not least, we have AC Milan, another team that has a ton of history in this tournament. They won in 1994, they won in 2003, and the last time they won this tournament, in 2007, they actually defeated Liverpool. So 
Hopefully Liverpool doesn't get any PTSD from this win. But AC Milan does not have any more Donnarumma. Okay, they have no more Donnarumma in goal. He's now at PSG. They're going to have to turn to someone else in goal. And they did bring over Olivier Giroud from Chelsea. He has five goals in three games in the Serie A already this season. Next up, Group C. We have Sporting Club de Portugal, Dortmund, Ajax, and Besiktas. So, Sporting Club. They are not good in this tournament. I'm just going to be straight up. They are not good. The only reason that they were drawn from Pot A is because they won the Portuguese League last season. They have the largest aggregate loss in Champions League history. 12-1, to 1, they lost to Bayern on aggregate in 2008 and 2009. 5-0, they lost in the first game. 7-1, they lost in the second game. They have played Dortmund before. Dortmund is in this group. They lost twice to them in 2016 and 2017. Honestly, that's all I have to say for this team. I don't think they're going to advance. I don't even think they might get to the Europa League, but they will not advance to the round of 16. The next team up and the team that I predict will win this group, Borussia Dortmund. They've won the tournament once in 1996-97. They beat Juventus in the finals. Last year, they had the competition's top goal scorer, Erling Braut Holland. What a guy this is. His left foot is a missile straight into the goal every single time he shoots. They are deadly on attack, and I can't wait to see Holland try to live up to his performance as the UEFA top forward because he did win that today. They also had the youngest debutant last season. If you know this name, Yusufa Mukoko, he's sick. apparently he's, he played when he was 16 years and 18 days in the Champions League. This guy, I honestly, has been 12, 13, 14 for 10 years. I have seen this guy every single time I pull up Instagram and I go to some Wonder Kids Instagram or people are posting about, you know, young people destroying youth teams. This guy has been six foot seven inches since he was 10 years old. And now he's coming in. He's a great player. He's fun to watch. He's physical. He's also technical. So I'm glad that he got his debut. How he is, how he debuted at 16 and 18 days is beyond me. I'm honestly sure he's like 23. But we'll see if he features again in this season. Gio Reyna. Hopefully we'll see a little bit more of him, the American. And Dortmund has played Ajax. They beat Ajax twice in the 2012-2013 group stage. But they lost twice in the 1995-96 quarterfinals against Ajax. So they've played Ajax four times. Each team has won twice. Ajax, meanwhile, they won their final in their tournament debut in 1994-1995 against AC Milan. And then they went and lost to Juventus in penalties the following year. Not too shabby. Two finals in a row in your first two appearances. Last year, they finished third in their group with Liverpool and Atalanta finishing above them before they transferred to Europa, the Europa League, and they lost in the quarterfinals to AS Roma. Ajax is fun to watch. They play very well. Coop Miners in the middle is very technical. His passing is unbelievable. His vision is impeccable. And Ajax is just a fun team to watch, the way they ping it around, tiki-taka. That's where it was birthed, and that's how they want to play. I think Ajax will advance out of this group. They could win. I don't think they'll beat Dortmund. I think Holland's going to be too much for the mid for the defense, for Daily Blind. But I think Ajax has a chance. Last but not least, we have Besiktas. They won the Super League, the Turkish Top League, last year. This is actually their eighth appearance in the Champions League. And in 2017-2018, they actually won their group. I was very surprised. And then they went and lost to Bayern 8-1 to on aggregate in the round of 16. So it, it, it didn't that, that kind of confirmed what I thought about this team. 
I didn't think they were going to win their group, and then they went and lost 8-1, to so it makes sense. They haven't played any of the teams in this group. They haven't played Sporting Club. They haven't played Dortmund. They haven't played Ajax. Each of the other teams has played at least one of the others. So Besiktas is coming into this with a fresh face. They've never seen any of these teams in the Champions League. Each one of these games will be the first time that Besiktas sees those three teams. Next up, we have Group D, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk, and FC Sharif. If you're getting deja vu, it's because this group is actually the exact same as last year, just with FC Sharif replacing Mönchengladbach. And this is where, quite honestly, I think, and I have nothing to back it up, aside from the hot and cold balls that people have been throwing around for years, that the draw is rigged. You have Man City and PSG in the same group, the two teams in the world that spend the most amount of money. And then you have the exact same group from last year, just switching out a German team with the first Moldovan team ever to come into this tournament. Come on. It doesn't make sense. And as I said, I have no evidence, aside from the hot and cold balls, and the only people that would know the answer, I hope Ivanovic and Essien know, considering they were pulling the balls. But it looks random. They switched the balls around, but who knows. Last year, Real won the group with 10 points. Borussia Mönchengladbach, the team that's not in the competition this year, finished second with 8. Shakhtar was sent to the Europa League with 8 points as well. They finished third on goal differential. And then Inter Milan was actually eliminated with 6 points. It was the most competitive and most contested group. Each of those teams, how they finished within 4 points of one another, that was the closest out of any of the 8 groups. Inter Milan is one of the teams that I'm most excited to see in this tournament, I love Lautaro Martinez. I think he played amazing in the Copa America. And I love the way the Inter play. They play long balls, drop it in, go quick. It's not really long ball. It's kind of... When it, when Sari was the coach there, it was called Sari ball. And they haven't really stopped playing that since he left. And I think they have a very good chance at being top of this group. With Mbappe coming in, I don't know. If you asked me this a couple hours ago before Mbappe was coming to Real Madrid, I would have said, yes, Inter Milan's going to win this group. They actually defeated Bayern Munich in the Champions League final in 2009 and 2010. And something they do have going for them, they've been eliminated four times on away goals in this competition. And you know what's not a thing this year? Away goals. If I'm Inter Milan, I'm jumping for joy. Because now I can play for the tie. I don't know if they want to play for the tie. But they don't have to be worried, and they don't have to dread the fact that they've been eliminated four times on away goals. Next up in this group, the second team, we have Real Madrid. I don't need to say anything about this team and how they've performed in this competition. They're the most storied club. They have seven wins in 25 appearances. They won three straight titles in 2015-16, 2016-17, and 2017-18. They haven't missed the knockouts in 24 straight tournaments dating back to 1997 and 1998. That is amazing. They have the most wins ever, the most goals scored, etc. I could keep going on and on, but then this podcast would be an hour long. So what does Real Madrid need to do this year? They needed to bring in new players. And who did they bring in? David Alaba, who's won two Champions League with Champions Leagues with Bayern. He'll start at center back for them. He'll provide a good rock. He's a good passer as well out of the back. He lost to Chelsea. They lost to Chelsea in the semis last year. So Bayern did. So we'll see what happens with David Alaba. And then now Mbappe coming in. You have someone up front who he can play in. He's quicker than Benzema. They might play 4-4-2, play Benzema up top with Mbappe. Or they might take off Benzema and just play Mbappe up top by himself. We'll see. Next up, we have Shakhtar Donetsk. And I'm not sure really how they're a Ukrainian team considering half of their squad 
is from Brazil. So I don't know if they have like a trade deal with Brazil that they just ship over players. I'm not really sure. Shakhtar has one quarterfinal appearance in 2010 and 2011 in 15 total tournaments. It's not a good record whatsoever. And they're actually tied for the most times conceding over five, five or more goals in a game. They've done it six times. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. When you can concede five goals in a game, doing it once is good. When you do it six times, oh my God, you're the worst team in the world. So Shakhtar will be a defensive team that Inter Milan and Real Madrid will want to expose. And then the fourth team in this group is the Moldovan team, FC Sharif. And as I said yesterday, it sounds like FC Sheriff, and their badge is actually a Sheriff's badge. I was I was shook. I didn't think it was actually going to be a Sheriff's badge. This team is completely unknown. Honestly, no one knows anything about them. They were founded in 1997, the club, after the Champions League was rebranded as the Champions League. They finished third in their group stage in Europa three times and fourth once, so they're not even doing that well in Europa. I'm predicting 0-6 for this SC Sharif team. I don't think they're going to win a single game, but their stadium does hold about 12,000 people, so those games that they do play in Moldova, if they have fans, I'm not sure what the coronavirus situation is right now in Moldova. If they have fans, those are going to be the most raucous fans you see in this entire tournament. I'm expecting flares and flags and TIFOs and Vuvuzelas, every single thing that these Moldovans want to use to shake Inter Milan, to shake Real Madrid. But now these Moldovan players are going to be able to play against Kylian Mbappe. That is awesome. And I'm very excited for them, and I'm excited to see Mbappe rip them apart. But I'm also excited that they get to play these amazing top-level players. It's like an AAU team and LeBron James suits up for the other team. That's honestly what it is at the end of the day. In the fifth group, Group E, we're moving on to the other side of the bracket. So Group A, B, C, and D will play on one day. Group E, F, G, and H will play on the other day. So in Group E, we have Bayern Munich, FC Barcelona, Benfica, and Dynamo Kiev. Bayern Munich lost to PSG on away goals in the quarterfinals last season. That wouldn't happen this year, as I mentioned before. They're a th- they're, they are a three-time Champions League winner. Last time they won it was in 2019-2020 against PSG. So that's two tournaments in a row where they've played PSG. They've actually won five ties on the away goal rule. So that's something they can't rely on this year is having that home crowd at Bayern Munich to stifle away goals. It's not, it doesn't matter anymore. And they did win the Bundesliga last season. They are a very, very good team. I think anything less than the quarterfinals for this team is a disappointment. And it should be that way every single year. Lewandowski, Kingsley Coleman, Thomas Muller, Manuel Neuer, Lucas Hernandez, I mean, the, the, the firepower that this team has, they should not be finishing any worse than the quarterfinals. Second team in this group is my favorite La Liga team, probably my favorite team in the world, FC Barcelona. They're a four-time winner of the Champions League, 2005-2006, 2008-2009, 2010-2011, and 2014-15. Last season, they broke a 13-time group winner streak. They finished second in their group. That was the first time that that's happened in 14 years. And then they went and lost to Bayern 8-2 on aggregate last season in the quarterfinals. That was an abysmal performance. I can remember viscerally watching that game and just putting my hands in my head, my head in my hands because I was so frustrated. Every single time Barcelona attacked, they did it without power. They did it without, fa- they did it without pride. And it was just disgusting. It was an awful showcase. 
And if they don't change it up this year, I'm going to be furious. They have brought in a couple new players, right back Emerson from Real Batiste, Eric Garcia, the center back, and Sergio Aguero from Manchester City. And then Memphis Depay has been lighting it up so far. He scored in their last game. He'll probably start up top at striker, Griezmann on one side. And Ansu Fadi is back now. He's been out for a couple months. So hopefully Barcelona can turn the tide and do a lot better in this Champions League. I hope quarterfinals and hopefully I think I hope semifinals I'm thinking another quarterfinals loss I just don't think that this Barcelona team has the, the defense honestly to cope with uh, the uh, PSG and Manchester City etc you know third in this group we have Benfica in the Europa League last year they lost to the Arsenal the complete trash Arsenal I mean they're garbage at the moment but they lost to Arsenal last year in the round of 32. They finished third in the Liga Portugal last season, and this is their 16th appearance in the Champions League. Last year, they lost in Champions League qualifying. That's how they ended up in the Europa League, and they have actually played every single team in this group. They've never beaten Bayern. They've never beaten Barca, but they were actually placed in the same group as Dynamo Kiev in 2016-17, and they did beat them twice, so that will be one that Benfica looks as a favorable matchup, and I have a feeling that they'll be playing to get into the, into the Europa League in that third spot because realistically they're not going to beat a Bayern Munich or Barcelona. And Dynamo Kiev, they are the fourth team in this group. They won the Ukrainian League last year, and the, their coach, Mircea Luchescu, is actually the sixth all-time in appearances uh, for coaches with 109. And they lost to Bayern in the semifinals of the 1998-1999 Champions League. That is their best performance that they've had. And they were in Barcelona's group last year. They lost 4-0 and 2-1 to Barcelona. So that's, you know, when Barcelona played Kiev, I said it was an easy win. It's going to be an easy win this year, but then they go and lose to Bayern, and it was, it was, a, it was awful. In Group F, the sixth group of this tournament, we have Villarreal, Manchester United, Atalanta, and Young Boys. This will feature the 1-2 Villarreal menu, a rematch of the Europa League final from last season that Villarreal won Finished 1-1 in normal time. The game ended up going to penalties. Every single player, if you haven't watched it, go to YouTube and look it up right now. Every single player made their penalties except for David De Gea. They won 11-10. The goalies got to it, and they, David De Gea missed his penalty. So it was a, it was a remarkable game. Villarreal, that last year, they actually finished 7th in La Liga. So the only reason they're even in this tournament is because they won the Europa League. They've been in the Champions League only three times before. Twice out of those three, they've lost to Arsenal. Once in the semifinals in 2005-2006, and then once in the quarterfinals in 2008 and 2009. And then their third appearance in 2011-2012, they went 0-6 and lost every game in the group stage. So this isn't a team that has a good track record for the Champions League. And when they've played Manchester United in the Champions League, they've played them four times. Every single time, it's been 0-0. So if I was of legal age... If I was of legal age, if you're not pulling up a gambling website right now, if I was of legal age, 0-0, Villarreal, Manchester United, both ties, lock it in, lock the trade down. That's a guaranteed win. Manchester United, they've won two Champions Leagues in 1998-1999 against Bayern Munich, and then in 2007-2008, pardon, they beat Chelsea in penalties. Last season, they finished second in the Premier League behind Manchester United, Manchester City, and they have played Young Boys twice 
in the group stage in 2018-2019 in the Champions League. They beat them both times. And Manchester United, in order to get above Manchester City's level and to bridge that gap, I've always said that they need to bring in more players. And they've brought in two very good players. Jaden Sancho from Borussia Dortmund will provide some speed, some technicality on that right side. And then Jesse Lingard. I love Jesse. I mean, I'm a West Ham fan. Jay Lings was a revelation for West Ham. He's back now at Manchester United. He's been practicing. He wants to fight for his spot under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I can see him playing in the Champions League. I hope he does. I think he's a great player. And I think it gives Manchester United that little bit of attack that they've needed going into trying to bridge that gap against a Manchester City. The third team in this group is Atalanta. This is their third appearance in this tournament in the last five years because of their coach, Gian Piero Gasparini. He has a technique. I don't know what it... I don't know how he... I mean, I, he plays a 3-4-2-1, 3-4-1-2. It's very, very offensive, hyper-offensive almost. And it just breaks teams down and just kills them with attack after attack after attack. It's one of the most exciting forms of football to watch. And I hope that they'll continue to do it this year. I think they have some defenses they can expose by doing it. In 2019-2020, they lost to PSG in the quarterfinals. And then last year in the knockout stages, they lost to Real Madrid. So they've gotten out of the group stage twice in their last in the last two times that they've gotten in this tournament. So I think they will definitely get out of the group stage here as well. Last year, they finished third in the Serie A, and because this is only their third appearance, they haven't yet played anyone in this group. Last but not least, we have Young Boys, the Swiss League champs from last year. They're actually coached by the American international David Wagner. He played for the national team. He played eight times. He wasn't picked for the 1998 FIFA World Cup, but he did play. He is American, and this is their second appearance in the Champions League after finishing last in their group. In 2018-19, they were in Manchester United's group, and they lost twice to Man U in that season. So I'm not expecting a lot from young boys, and that's a trend that you'll see. I'm not expecting there's no fourth team other than AC Milan that I see actually generating a performance in this tournament. Next up, we have the seventh group, Group G. In my opinion, the most boring group, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that Leo won League One, and they were given a spot in Pot A, and then this group just kind of imploded from there. It's going to be a close group because the top teams are below average in the below average in terms of top teams, and the worser teams are above average in terms of worst teams. None of these teams have ever played each other in the Champions League. We have Lille, Sevilla, RB Salzburg, and VFL Wolfsburg. So Lille last year, as I said, they won the League One by only one point over PSG. This is their seventh appearance in the Champions League. And to be quite honest, their appearance so far in the Champions League has been, they've been in a rut. Five group stage eliminations and a loss to Manchester United in the round of 16 in 2006-2007. It's not a good tournament for them, and I'm not expecting anything different. Their forward up top, Ber Berlak Yilmaz, he was the fourth highest goal scorer last year in League One with 16 goals. He and Turkey were an absolute disaster at the Euros. People were calling them the dark horse, and Yilmaz was garbage. So hopefully he'll step up, put in a couple goals this season in the Champions League, but he needs to find whatever he did at the Euros, he needs to do the complete opposite of if Leo wants to have a chance at staying alive. There is an American on that team, Tim Weah. He plays on the left, so hopefully he'll get some game time. Second, and my predicted group winner is Sevilla. They lost last year to the Dor to Borussia Dortmund in the round of 16s. 
They finished fourth in La Liga, and they brought in a lot of new players under Julian Lopetegui. They brought in Eric Lamella from Tottenham, the Argentine. Another Argentine, Gonzalo Montiel from River Plate. He's a right back. Eric Lamella plays on the right side. Rafa Mir, the striker from Wolverhampton. If you did not watch the Olympics, Google Rafa Mir's highlights. He was phenomenal. He was my player of the week, player of one of the match days. I think it was the third match day. He had a hat trick. He's going to be great for this team. And then they just brought in, released two days ago, a day ago, Thomas Delaney has transferred from Borussia Dortmund to Sevilla. He'll bring a good rock in that midfield for Sevilla, and we'll see how he kind of plays out in a different style of play. Next up, we have RB Salzburg, the Austrian League. This is actually Erling Holland's old club. This is their fourth appearance in this tournament, and they finished third in their group every single time before. So I'm not expecting a ton from Salzburg. They don't really have any notable players. Erling Holland was their most notable, and now he doesn't play for them anymore for good reason. So I'm not expecting a lot from them. And then Wolfsburg, this is their third appearance. They were eliminated in the group stage in 2009-10, and then they lost to Real in the quarterfinals in 2015-2016. They were the fourth in the Bundesliga last season. Quite honestly, just an average group. You have teams that finished fourth in the Bundesliga and La Liga, a team that won League One, but barely, and then a team that won the Austrian League. I'm not expecting this to be must-watch television, so if you need a break from soccer, I would recommend skipping these games. But you don't want to skip Group H because we have Chelsea, Juventus, Zenit St. Petersburg, and Malmo. I thought it was Malmo, but then everyone on the draw today was saying Malmo like they were choking on the balls that they were picking the names out of, so... We're going to go with Malmö FF from now on. So Chelsea is the reigning champions of this competition. They also won in 2011-2012 against Bayern Munich in penalties. They have eight semifinal appearances. So they don't have a very good track record when it comes to being in the semifinals and trying to get to the finals from there. They, are, they finished fourth in the Prem last season behind Man U, Man City, and Liverpool. And they've been trying to bring in a couple new players to strengthen the already very good team that they've had. Their midfield is very solid, so they look to their defense and their forward. They're trying to bring in Jules Koundé from Sevilla. He might transfer from that Sevilla team, so he might not play against Lille. He might play against Juventus. And they're trying to offload Kurt Zuma, as I said in yesterday's episode, to West Ham United to free up the cash to sign Jules Koundé. We'll see if that deal pans out. They also just brought back Romelu Lukaku from Inter Milan. He scored over the weekend in the game against Arsenal in his first appearance back in the Premier League. He'll be fun to watch, but he'll have to take on Juventus and their incredible back line that I'll get to in a minute. Juventus beat Ajax in the final in 95-96 to win their first Champions League, but they've also lost in the final five times. So talk about a team that can't finish. This Juventus team has gotten to the final six times. They have a one-for-six success rate. That is despicable. And they might not have CR7 anymore. More than likely will not have CR7. Their strength comes from their defense. You have Bonucci and Chiellini, the two center backs that also started for Italy this season, this in the Euros. They were incredible. And this is where I think Romelu Lukaku might have a problem, is trying to break down those two. You put him in any other group, I have no doubt that Lukaku might be top goal scorer of this competition. But because he has to face Bonucci and Chiellini in two of the games of the six in this group, He's going to have trouble. They also brought in Locatelli from Sassuolo. He played very well in the Euros as well in the midfield. He's a creative player. 
Juve's been trying to get him for years. They finally got enough cash, and Sassuolo agreed to sell him. Juve did finish fourth in the Serie A last season, which is a disappointing performance, honestly, for them. And they have played every team in this group. They've played Chelsea four times in this competition. Each team has one win apiece, and they've drawn twice. They played Zenit in 2008-2009. They were in the same group. They had one win and one tie against Zenit St. Petersburg. And then they beat Malmach 2-0 two times in the group stage in 2014-2015. So if I'm Juventus, this is a very favorable group for us, and I'm liking the chances of us moving on. Third in this group is Zenit St. Petersburg. This is their ninth appearance. They finished last in their group last season. They lost five games, and the only game that they didn't lose, they tied Lazio 1-1. They've never advanced past the round of 16s in this competition. They did win the Russian League last season, and they have a couple players that you might know. Malcolm. He was at FC Barcelona for a year, maybe. Probably played less than 10 games. I don't know how he ended up at Barcelona. He's now at Zenit St. Petersburg. He's actually playing well. But it helps when you go from being a reserve at Barcelona to a starter at Zenit St. Petersburg. And then the ex-Liverpool defender, Dejan Lovren, he won the Champions League with Liverpool in 2018-19. The Croatian is now at Zenit St. Petersburg, giving them a solid foundation in the back end, protecting their goal. He'll be a good matchup for Lukaku, but Lukaku's going to get the best of him. I'm almost sure of it. And then last but not least, the last team in this tournament, we have Malmuch. This is their third appearance in the tournament. They have back-to-back fourth-place finishes in their group in 2014-2015 and 2015-2016. In the latter season, in 2015-16, in their six games, they scored one goal and conceded 21, including four goals to Cristiano Ronaldo when he was at Real Madrid in 20 minutes. This tournament, I think it will be an absolute disaster for them. Quite honestly, I think they're going to get crushed in every single game, even against Zenit St. Petersburg. They have one player that I actually knew of when I was looking at their roster. Nicholas Moisander used to play at Werder Bremen. The only reason I know him is FIFA, honestly. So I don't even know him very well. I don't know how he plays. So Malmach is going to struggle. And if you've made it this far, that is the end of the groups. I went pretty in-depth into every team. I tried to do as much research as I could. Now I'm going to give you my predicted placements for each of these groups so i'm not going to predict between one and two i'm just going to give you my top two that will advance to the knockouts my third place team going to europa league and my team going home with nothing in fourth place group a psg and man city to the knockouts leipzig to europa league club bruges home group b atletico and porto to the knockouts liverpool in a shocker to the europa league and ac milan goes home in Group C, Dortmund and Ajax advance to the knockout stage. Besiktas advances to the Europa League and Sporting Club de Portugal. The Pot A team, the league winner from Portugal, goes home empty-handed. In Group D, pretty much a group that was written from the time it was picked. Inter, Real, Inter Milan and Real will advance to the knockouts. Shakhtar Donetsk will go to Europa once again. And Sharif, the Moldovan team, despite some good fan presence, they'll go home. Group E, Bayern Munich and Barcelona will advance. Dynamo Kiev will actually go to the Europa League, and Benfica will go home. Group F, in another shocker, I'm being harsh on the Premier League teams, but I just don't expect the best from them. Villarreal and Atalanta will advance to the knockouts. Manchester United will go back to the Europa League, and then Young Boys will go home. Group G, this is the boring group. Group B is the group of 
the group of death. This is the group of death by boredom. So group B is group of death by good competition. And then this is group of death by boredom. Sevilla and RB Salzburg will advance to the knockouts. French League winners Lille will go to the Europa League. And VFL Wolfsburg will go home. And then last but not least, in Group H, another group that was pretty much written by the time it was picked out. Chelsea and Juventus will go to the knockouts. Zenit St. Petersburg will go to the Europa League. And Malmö will go home. That's been it. I know it's been a heavy episode, but I like to do research. I love the Champions League. It's my favorite competition. So I'm very excited for when these games kick off. The fixtures are not yet set, but they will start. First games will be September 14th and September 15th. Again, I'll keep you updated on anything that develops in the Mbappe and the Real Madrid situation, as well as the CR7 and the Manchester City situation. But that's all I have for you today. I'll see you next time after the final whistle.